This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Well, here we are then, sometime in the year 2022. Who knows what day or time it is, but we are here. And what I know from previous starts of years, previous Januaries, is that we all need something to cheer us up and to buoy our spirits because, you know... It takes its toll, doesn't it? The constant drinking and eating and now you're left in this void and you don't know if you're still allowed to have a drink at 11 in the morning or not. Hell, maybe that's just me. But look, this is an episode of Desert Island Dicks featuring Fern Brady. It was our first Desert Island Dicks live that we did back in early December and it's a beauty. So I hope you enjoyed this one because we enjoyed it a lot. And after you've listened to this, you might think, hey, I need something to cheer me up in January. And that live show certainly sounded like a good time. Well, if that's you, then I've got some great news for you because we're doing another one at the beginning of February. The 4th of February is a Friday night at 2 North Down in Kings Cross, London. And it features the very wonderful and incredible Lou Sanders. So it's going to be a really good one. You know, it'll be like the first Friday night after January's finished. We'll all have got paid. I mean, what better way is there to celebrate the end of January? I think this is a good thing. It will keep us going through the toughest month of the year. And then we can all come together, have a laugh and a drink. And then London is your oyster or the rest of the country if you want to take a train from King's Cross, which is nearby and very well connected. Okay, so there you go. I'm going to shut up now, but if you are interested, then you can get tickets from the link in the description of this podcast or the link which is also in our socials at DixPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can even Google the Two North Down website and get them there. Okay, here's a taste of what you're in for. This is Fern Brady at Desert Island Dicks Live. Dan Benedictus, and welcome to Desert Island X Live. Thank you. It's the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Fern Brady. How you doing? Good. That was a nice posh hello from one <laughs> member of the audience. Hiya. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, good, thanks. So we're about to share our, well, your desert island dicks, the worst people and worst things to be stuck with. Do you find that easy as a person to just sort of rant about things that you hate? Yeah, I'll send you my choices pretty much immediately. Yeah. When you phoned to do the research chat, I started off uh, telling you my least favourite people straight away. Did I not? You seem like a natural, and that's, that's, <laughs> kind, of, that's kind of why we booked you. You know, you're in, in the right place. And how many people in the audience work in radio and know the people I'm going to talk about? 
there's a there's a smattering, I think. We'll see we'll see the reaction. You as, look as like you work in media. <laughs> <laughs> I do, or they No, do. the audience. Yeah. That's kinda of like saying you look like a wanker. But that's I mean it's fine. No, it's no, fine we can all be wankers together. Oh, that's I'm we're in so hopeful. <laughs> it's a safe space for wankers. Mm. All right, well let's just get stuck into it then. Who's gonna be your first choice? Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. <laughs> Okay. Taboo. <laughs> Frank Skinner, the lovely avuncular Frank Skinner. What what have you got against Frank Skinner? Why do you think he'd be a terrible, terrible person to be stuck with? I uh, never met him, never worked with him. Uh, I didn't tell my agent that I was going to say this on the podcast, so <laughs> he's going to be delighted. Um, basically, I heard him on... I never liked him when I was a child watching him on telly or anything. I just got bad vibes off him. And then I heard him on Radio 4 recently. And he's, I don't trust comedians that are religious. I was brought up really uh, strictly Catholic. And Frank Skinner uh, chooses to be a Catholic yeah. now, even though he's an adult and no one's making him go to church. So he was, <laughs> he was on Radio 4 telling this guy really confidently that he, when he prays, he believes that he's literally talking to God. And then the interviewer gave him a sort of get out by saying, oh, do you think maybe prayer is a bit like meditation and you talking to God is actually talking to sort of inner wisdom within yourself? And Frank Skinner was like, no, no, I'm talking to God. I'm talking directly <laughs> to the big man in the sky. And um, I, I just found that... Um, Amazing that he could say that and not be totally embarrassed. Yeah. I've got a feeling, and I'd have to check this, but I'm sure he came to it quite late as well, which is even more surprising. It's like I've Those are always the ones that are the most enthusiastic. But you know when something makes less sense? Like, I've got a friend who, like, for all our childhood, never smoked. He never gave in to peer pressure. And he went to university at 19, just started smoking and never stopped. And you know when you're like, this is the wrong time to start this thing. Like, it doesn't make any sense now you're grown up. Like, surely you could mm. see it's stupid now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's quite a weird comparison, if I'm honest. But you sort of see what I'm getting to. It's just uh, comedians who are religious as well, I, I find very suspicious. It mm. just kind of makes me question all the other stuff that they're saying, yeah. if they have such a childlike belief system. Um, <laughs> I also have a thing where um, the... People that, I mean, he's a massively popular, skilled stand-up. Uh, but there's, I remember one of the worst one-night stands I ever had was with this very English blokey bloke that said mate about 15 times in a sentence. And I remember waking, waking up uh, next to him and I felt his big, chunky Kit-Kat fingers <laughs> touch my shoulder. And as I opened my eyes, I just saw all of Frank Skinner's biographies on his bookshelf. Oh. So it's like the type of <laughs> English man that likes him is <laughs> also why I don't like him. So let's picture the two of you on a desert island together. So, I mean, you know, there's going to be, like, basic survival needs. I think it's going to be distracting if, like, you're kind of going, right, let's make a shelter, and he's like... He's doing a rosary exactly, <laughs> next to me. yeah, or he's trying to make the water holy or something. It's like, no, that, yeah. that's not only drinking water. Come on, Frank, turn turn these loaves into 40 loaves or whatever. <laughs> Do the, the wine and fish thing that Jesus exactly. did. Yeah, so I think it's an awkward choice. Also, he's always wearing a suit, so I think he's going to sort of get quite hot and bothered quite quickly. I think it's a strong first choice. Who's going to join the two of you? Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield. Okay, so like co-joined. 
if I'm allowed to have them as one we'll person. Have them as a unit, like a, a Jedward sort of, a daytime yes. Jedward. Together, um, Jedward have got really political on Twitter recently, by the way. They started, <laughs> someone else has noticed this. Yeah, they started um, promising to say some home truths about the entertainment industry yeah. and got, uh, follow them on Twitter. It got really yeah. interesting. But anyway, um, Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield are two of the most sinister people in broadcasting I've ever <laughs> come across. And if you're, if you're middle class and you work in the media in Britain, you can get away with like, doing and saying really mad things uh, and just the way they interviewed loads of um, so-called benefit scroungers on their couch 10 years ago um, and and do you know what I mean they were really horrible to people uh, when benefits were getting cut and then the other week they had a thing where um, they made a feature of a piece where a woman had 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 cancer and couldn't pay her heating bill. So this morning, uh, let her win a competition where she could pay for her heating. And that was meant to be a poignant thing. <laughs> They're just, the programme this morning is everything that's wrong about Britain. I don't mind Dermot O'Leary and Alison Hammond. They're great. <laughs> Dermot O'Leary follows me on Instagram, so he's obviously a good person. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know what you mean about them being creepy, because it's, it's like... It feels like afterwards they go home and like they go to sleep in a box that's like a, a life-size airfix kit. Do you know mm. what I mean? They just press themselves back into the plastic mould and then they're like popped out again in the morning. Like, Why? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, there's just Massive like a... Tories. And the more Phillips followed the 5-2 <laughs> diet as well, uh, the more Phillips been fasting, you can tell he has like absolute seething contempt for fat people. <laughs> uh, like he never says it when he interviews them on the show, but he's so... Oh, Christ, he's just such a terrifying man. Mm. And it's weird how they're held up as these... I mean, I don't know how other people view them, um, if, the, if the nation generally thinks of them as these warm, lovely people. Um, but I just find them very sinister. Yeah. OK, so we've got the two of them on an island. I imagine that... I mean, you're there with them and Frank Skinner, who also does a bit of presenting. So it's going to be like... <sighs> You're sort of like the unwanted guest on the sofa at oh. the time that you're spending together, isn't it? Like, and you never quite know which way they're going to go. Like some days it's like, here's Fern. She tried to get water out of a coconut for two days and failed. Well, today we're giving her an opened coconut. And It'd be day, terrible, like, man. I'd be like... Fern. She's wasted all these fucking nuts. What if you, you ever saw when Vanessa Phelps went mental and Big Brother, that'd be me. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing messages and lipstick. And yeah. Carving oh my deceit God. into a palm tree or something like that. Yeah. Guess what? I met her at something. She's actually amazing. Vanessa Phelps. She's one of the, like the soundest people. Oh really? That's yeah. quite reassuring. She she demanded the runner get us a plate of like cheese straws and grapes, and she was like, "Where's my fucking cheese?" And then got them to bring it over, and uh, then just didn't eat any of it. And <laughs> I just thought it was really entertaining. <laughs> Now you say that, it's like the least surprising thing, though. I mean, like, of course she demanded that. I mean, No, but in a real... She was very, just very funny, nice lady. I thought you were going to say cheese straws and gravy, and I'm like, wow, oh, my God. That's nuts. Um, but, yeah, fair enough. OK, so you've already got, like, a weird setup now with, like, a few people who could turn very easily mm. and decide to like you or not like you, depending on their whim. Mm. Who's going to be the third... Well, the fourth person joining the group of you on the island well this was hard to pick because it's 
because there's so many of them, but um, it, it's Tess Holiday, who's a, an influencer, an Instagram influencer. I think she's um, most well-known because she was on the cover of Cosmopolitan. She's a plus-size woman, and I think it all got debated by Piers Morgan and the media. But that's not why I don't like her. I generally don't like influencers um, because they seem to post a lot of stuff that's like a mix of uh, Eastern spirituality mixed with narcissism, mixed with stuff, calling themselves a goddess and a lot of <laughs> chat about self-care. And <laughs> then when you meet influencers in real life, they're these really miserable people that won't even look you in the eye. And um, <laughs> like, if you've ever met any I'm lucky big famous influencers, um, they're really... And they've got these mad faces <laughs> that look amazing on Instagram, but then look really uh, strange in person. Um, so Tess Holiday annoys me a lot because she um, uh, she'll post a lot of stuff like "f your beauty standards" because because she's fat, but then she has lip fillers, cheek fillers, Botox, uh, and lives up to every other feminine beauty ideal. Um, She's just a very angry person, but then claims to be happy all the time. <laughs> and that's the gist of a lot of influencers. I like, there's a woman called Celeste Barber that takes the piss out of all those sorts of influencers. If you've, yeah, Australian women, she's good. Yeah. I think just the idea of being stuck with someone that self-obsessed without an outlet on a desert island, when all their channels have shut down. She'd be, well, if she had her phone, she'd be trying to make the whole experience go viral rather than helping us start a fire. I don't think it would stop them, though. Even if the phone wasn't working, they'd just be, like, chipping away at a rock until it was an iPhone shape and then just sort of, like, you know, just be like, sorry, you're in, you know, you're in my light. But now you say that, maybe all that um, creativity, because it wasn't getting channeled into the phone, maybe they would be the most useful person out of everyone. I mean, I'd say that would be true if they, if it was sort of like a, a genuine, useful creativity. If it was kind of like, oh, I used to be a carpenter, or like I used to be an art, a sculptor, but now I can sculpt this into a shelter. But it's it's like, what do you do? You make like you kind of go. Today, I've been sponsored to tell you about this pencil. Like it's not it's not transferable. Do you know what I mean? They have no CV because it's like I was eighteen, I became an influencer. Done. There's no, there's no, there's nothing transferable other than like I breathe oxygen. In which case, in your scenario, it's kind of a way, you know, it's kind of competing against. Oh, I disagree with that. Uh, but I'm saying that because I've done a couple of paid placement adverts on my Instagram. <laughs> but you know, photography skills, uh, <laughs> makeup skills. <laughs> There's lots of transferable skills. But not for writing, the writing the text yeah. <laughs> underneath the post. I just think on the island, though, it's like... Oh, yeah, sorry, could, on the island, yeah. The island, they can maybe go, look, I know what's wrong with you, Fern. You've had a grilling from those guys on the sofa, but I'm going to turn your life around, and uh, I've made, like, a little face pack out of these sort of, like, coconut husks. And, and then maybe then you would feel like a million dollars for one day, mm. and it would be okay. But in general, I'm, you know, I just don't think they're going to help you that much. Oh, okay. I don't know. And also, then you're, they're going to set off the other interview. You know, they're going to set off Frank and, and, and Holly and everyone going, so what do you actually do? What do you actually do? And you make how much? I just think it's going to be an awkward, in, an awkward atmosphere. Then you're going to have to protect them because you're going to feel bad for them against the onslaught of the daytime TV people. Out of everyone, I think Holly Willoughby would be the most, um, the toughest and the most resourceful, actually. You think? 
Yeah, she has a hardness um, underneath her sort of beautiful, polished exterior. Yeah. Uh, I think she'd definitely be the one that sort of... Because also, the, her and Philip, they are that type of person that is absolutely in love with... They probably have keep calm and carry on signs in their <laughs> house, or at least a tote bag that says it somewhere. <laughs> they absolutely want to shag the concept of World War II and that <laughs> this sort of notion of Britishness that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think you've you've picked quite a good uh, melange of uh, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know where that came from. Uh, a good selection <laughs> of melange. people. Melange is that the right word? So, you know, what? I haven't been in Soho in a long time, and it's it's, <laughs> it's a powerful vibe. I don't know. Something happens. It just it's awful. Anyway, look, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Oh, pate. Pate. Yeah. Lovely minced up, chopped, reformed livers. What's wrong Creamed, <laughs> creamed, pureed animal organs. We're coming up to Christmas now and more people are going to be eating it. Mm. Just the smell of it on someone else's breath is like, even just imagining it, it makes me, it makes my stomach turn. It's so awful. Yeah, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because it is just mashed up organs reformed mm. into a paste mm. right? but sometimes it's exotic like you know it's like oh it's marmalade glazed reformed organs in a paste <laughs> they don't put that on the packet obviously I'm a, I'm a vegetarian and I, I don't even like the vegetarian recreations of it um, are they vegetarian pâtés yeah yeah but I don't even like seeing it the worst is seeing someone chew up a cracker with patty or bread with patty and seeing it through their open mouth <laughs> 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 It's horrible. So give me a cheer if you guys like patty. Yeah. Ooh, lots of you! Mm. Why? It's tasty. Oh, there's textures. So <laughs> smooth, smooth meat. You can. <laughs> it's horrible. You can get chunkier ones as well, can't you? Depending on how hard. No, you I don't. Know don't. What's more hardcore. What cat food? Yeah, it's not chunky ones. Yet. I think you get sort of more chunky ones, or is that... Is that what are the else? chunks? It's the same mash, not slightly less mashed up shit. <sighs> I do, I, even, I mean, the whole patty family, that I don't like um, terrine either, mm. uh, salmon, mousse, any of that, because we're coming up to that season of um, the, all those kind of the salmon, <laughs> mousse and patty and the macro stuff as well. That's yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah. But the tension makes me feel like you all like it. <laughs> and you all stuff your mouths with it and have just open mouths filled with patty, smooth, creamy organs. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence. I'm not, I don't hate it, but it's very difficult to make a case for it. Someone on our Instagram recently said, oh, you just agree with everything. And it's like, it's because... Because you're making a really good case. How can I now go, oh, these delicious creamy organs, but when you spread them on a bit of bread, like there's no, you can't, you can't make a case for it being nice. Because even if it you shouldn't have the texture, I don't want meat to have the texture of like smooth, creamy galaxy chocolate. It's <laughs> wrong. Is there, is it maybe, could they administer it in a different way? Like, I don't know, there's no, there's no, you can't do anything with it, you can't do shots. Administer it in a different, like, I have, before I was vegetarian, I, I'd eaten animal organs whole, and that's preferable, mm. but you still get, like, 
arteries or veins or something in them. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's I mean, gross. Let's not forget, this is going to be aeroplane pate as well that you're stuck with. So, I mean, is that a thing? No, I just you've crashed. You know, the, the, the oh right. The context, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you know this pretend framework we're hanging it off you know but mm. i imagine like on a plane it's probably comes out it would probably come out of those little uht little things you know when you get well the that's milk, good because it would be a small serving of it pop it out like a little Ooh. ice cube of lung mm. no it's living <clears> isn't it? anyway okay well that's a good i bet i think as well frank skinner he must love pate oh he loves frank it skinner he's got potted meats hasn't he he's like oh he shrimp. loves it like he's got like some crab paste doesn't he he's like the poster boy for that kind of thing i think he loves it, man. You can imagine the influencer trying to do a blog, like scratching it into a rock because there's nowhere to publish the blog, but about how like a pate-only diet for 30 days is good for your complexion or something like that. A pate now wouldn't be an Instagrammable food, actually. It never comes yeah, up on, no. on Instagram. Try I mean, there's other foods that I hate. We can, you can add anything, one in if you'd like. What? Anything, uh, the layer of gelatin uh, that comes up in sliced ham. Pate's friend. Yeah. I mean, the jellies <laughs> on the pate as well. They're close bedfellows, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of this is a big reason why I'm a vegetarian is uh, just all the mad unnatural stuff <laughs> like j jelly and meat. Okay. Um, so we're going to give you a nice pate with a big layer of jelly on top. Uh, so that when you slice it, there's a nice sort of... Or like a, a pork pie where there's like there's a layer of gelatin. Mm. Between the pork and the pastry. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to wash it down with? What's your drink choice? Uh, any alcohol I don't really like. This okay. is a controversial choice, I'm sure, as I look at everyone drinking. <laughs> Christmas time in Britain, and you don't like lovely, lovely booze. Fair yeah, it's, 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 no, it's fine. Well, just doesn't suit me. I'm not, um, I'm not like clean living by any means, um, but it's just not a drug that suits me. I mean, like I took MDMA on Saturday, and the worst that happened was um, I started replying really earnestly to everyone's tweets on my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> And I also, I live in Catford in southeast London, and we should all be on ecstasy in Catford because <laughs> you don't feel frightened anymore of all the maniacs in Catford. You just look into people's faces and you just see pain and hurt and you feel <laughs> compassion. I was like, I felt like a Buddhist monk. Um, I had a great interaction getting the bus home um, because a, a guy tried to do that sort of um, sexist, like benevolent thing of going, no, after you, as I got on the bus, I went, after you, sir, after you, <laughs> and insisted that he got on the bus before me. Um, fantastic, a great night, listening to Massive Attack, getting the bus from Crystal Palace to Catford. Um, whereas drink, it just makes me feel sick. It has millions of calories in it. Like, I'm from a country where everyone drinks excessively and they all look like fat-melted candles. <laughs> like, everyone, everyone in Scotland just ages prematurely <laughs> um, from drinking too much. So I have really, really conservative views on drink. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you've coupled it with, like, very tolerant views on, on Class A drugs. So it's well, okay. that's what I, mean, I felt like I had to say that. Like, you know, like, you're not sort of being too, you know, it's okay. It's but right. do you know what? I feel like there'd be more empathy for me if I was a recovering alcoholic because people have more sympathy then because they go, ah, you understand how great drink is then. <laughs> you just can't do it anymore. Whereas I've never, never got into it. And yeah. I, tra I tried. 
Um, but I just can't get into it. I think a big thing is I've never struggled to say what I think. Um, and I don't need alcohol to make me a slut. <laughs> So then in, in Britain, I mean, British people are so depressed that um, that's kind of alcohol's main function, isn't it? Mm. To tell people who you think are a cunt to finally tell them they're a cunt. And to have sex with people that are embarrassingly ugly, I guess. <laughs> that's why people need alcohol. Mm. Um, and I've, so I've never really felt I need it for that. I mean, you make a good case for not needing it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I can't argue with that. I mean, you're going to be sharing the island with Frank Skinner again. He's a, he's a teetotaler now, but well, we could bond over that. Yeah, but he's as, you know he's a former alcoholic, so he's going to you know, like know. Say, coming from different angles. I'm you know quite an alcohol fan, but I find now increasingly it's like it's just making me worse and worse and I'm like I don't want to give it up because it tastes nice but like I mean I'm not drinking to excess I'm just in my house like it's all I've got to do because I've got kids mm. so like get in the weed and all I do oh no it's, it's, thing is alcohol makes me even more tired weed is like even more it's like I can't you know and no you need the right um there's strains that make you feel more awake I'm a, a big stoner okay. and I hate when people tell me they can't get into weed um because they they feel paranoid because I'm like when you first started drinking you probably weren't very good at that mm. I mean if you look at a Saturday night in London a lot of people aren't very good at drinking yeah but they persist with it week after week. Whereas with weed, a lot of people have never really given it the chance. Yes, there's a bit at the start when you first smoke it where you look around the room at your friends and you think, I should murder all of you. <laughs> That's just the first bit. You have to ride that out and then the good bit happens after that. Okay, well, we'll have to have a chat afterwards then. <laughs> because, you know, I want to be an open-minded guy and I do love my children, so, you know, I'll just, let's give it a go. Um, okay, well, yeah, booze and pate join you. It's quite, do you know what? It's accidentally quite a Christmassy choice. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, for the 1st of December. So, yeah, well done. Okay, now, Fern, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite song of all time, and the other is your least favourite film. What are they and why? My least favourite song is the one that where the woman goes, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I said hey. Uh, four non-blondes. Four non-blondes. I think it's called... That, does, that doesn't sound going? anything like the song, did it? Sounds enough like it. She has such a bad voice. She shouldn't sing. <laughs> but she, I mean, she writes songs. She's like a famous songwriter. That's the annoying thing, isn't it? When, like... Because... I lived through a time of working in radio when they played a fuck of a lot of scouting for girls and mm. then they finally went away and then you find out like, oh no, but the guy's actually very successful. He's writing for One Direction now. And so, so he stopped and now he's even richer. What the fuck mm. is going on? It's so uh, uh, frustrating. Yeah, I would, no, I mean, I don't begrudge her, her, her songwriting career at all. Um, I actually went back to the song recently and I watched the music video for the first mm. time for the, the Four Non Blondes song because I, I thought, I felt guilty for some reason that I hated it so much because a lot of people like, like it, I think. I, or do, I you, do you like it? Does anyone like it? Yeah, so I think it's a song that really divides people um, rather than one that everyone hates. Um, but I watched it and I um, still I still don't like it. I just yeah. don't like the sound of it. 
she's, got, she's got quite an abrasive voice. And isn't it in the song she's like, I wake up and I step outside and I take a deep breath and then, and then she goes, hey. And like, if you knew someone who did that, if that was like real, if that's based on personal experience and that's your neighbour, you'd be like... This is unbearable. <laughs> Again, like, and then your friends would stay over and it's like, did you hear that thing this morning? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear it anymore. It's like a train going past. It's like, no, but, like, seriously. It's like, did they tell you when you bought that? And they didn't tell me when she was out there. And obviously I wasn't... Do you know what I mean? It's like, who yeah. does that? It's like, so it's, it's unrealistic, if anything. To continue the Christmas-themed other song I don't like uh, that I said to you was my initial choice is um, Fairy Tale of New York, Whoa. which is uh, also divisive. One, isn't it? Yeah. Why are your girls? Do you love it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I know a lot of people love it, but I don't. I mean, neither of them were Irish, and they're singing in this Irishy way. Um, but that's not why I don't like it. Um, my boyfriend's Irish, and one time we had a big fight uh, in a Starbucks in Dublin, in Temple Bar, which is like the really touristy bit of Dublin, and I hate the feeling of doing things in time to music, and um, we seemed, the fairy tale of New York came on, and it was Christmas, and I flung a suitcase across the Starbucks at him, and we were fighting in perfect time to the song. <laughs> So it also has a really bad memory associated yeah. with it. I bet every, all the onlookers were like, this is just fucking brilliant. Oh, have, yeah, great. everyone was like, And oh. Fairytale of New York came on, these couple were arguing, it was beautiful. It yeah. was wonderful. It was like, yeah, I mean, because now it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Because there's like, you know, misogyny and, and um, uh, like, you know, she uses bad words against him, doesn't she? Like, you have to censor it now. So now yes. it's like, oh, you know, can we just... I, sorry, I've just realised another reason I probably feel funny about that song. When I was a child, they used to repeat the same uh, documentary about Christmas songs every every single year, um, and they always had that song in it as number one. But then the crucial bit of the, the story of that song was they always said the woman in it died in a tragic water ski accident, so I can't hear the song. Isn't that how she died? Yeah, so I can't hear the song without thinking of, like, don't go water skiing, Fern. Um, I didn't know that, and I almost went, that's amazing. And then I didn't say it, and now I've just said it anyway. So I I think because it's so strongly linked with water ski deaths, I can't, I don't hear it and feel (laughs) Christmassy. I mean, water skiing is one of the least Christmassy outdoor activities, isn't it? I mean, well, not if you're not if you're rich. A Christmas person, you know, like it's not like you know you have to live your art. Uh, not like the four non-blondes women. Okay. My favourite Christmas song, sorry, uh, is what called "We're We're All Going to Die Alone" by Malcolm Middleton. Um, <laughs> he's a Scottish guy that was in the band Arab Strap. You should look it up on YouTube when you get home. <laughs> I think just the idea of being stuck on an island with Christmas music is just such an insane... Like, just imagining you sort of, like, slowly perishing, but there's a Christmas music, like, a soundtrack the whole time just adds an extra layer of insanity that I really like. Mm. But that and also Four Non Blondes every... I like the idea of Four Non Blondes wakes you up every day and then <gasps> Fairy Tale of New York kicks <laughs> in and that's your existence. Uh, what film are you going to watch to try and distract yourself from the, the incessant music? Uh, Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> mm. or um, Marriage Story. They both fall into the category of stories for me that are about just like straight people's pain and uh, 
straight men suffering in silence and that's meant to be something I'm interested in or care about. Oh, I could watch films over and over again about feisty working class women going on a journey, preferably with a bit of shagging somewhere in the middle. And like, then there's some redemption at the end and they escape their small town life. Manchester by the Sea, I watched because a lot of uh, people I knew recommended it. Uh, my boyfriend said it was good. And then it was just like, this guy um, is, uh, he's in pain, but he's like really manly. Uh, and he can't express or articulate that pain. Couldn't give a shit, mate. There's enough films about men's lives. I just want to watch stuff about women. Similarly, Marriage Story. Well, wasn't that just because that guy thought that his divorce was interesting and he happened to be a film director, so he made a film about it? I mean, it looks like it. I mean, like, both characters, like, one's an actor and the other's maybe also an actor or he's a set designer or something. It's like, can't you just be, like, average people having a fucking, like... Well, but, but, but he was married... That director was married to Jennifer Jason Lee and they got divorced, okay, so, so I figured thing, it was yeah, about so, like, that, but I could But surely the last thing you want to do is, like, write a... Very, I just, I, 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 you see the trailers. I don't understand seeing the trailer for either of those films and going, yeah, no, that looks good. Like, that's the one. Like, you watch the trailer for Manchester by the Sea and there's a bit where there's just two of them in an alley crying. They're like, you've been through so much and so have I. And you go, yeah, they're really Friday popular. night. We've got to put something on. Like, why no, not I, that? Like, the they, I think they're popular films. But I don't, it's just, but there's fun films. There are good mm. films out there. Like, I mean, maybe it is a good... I just don't understand it. I mean, you know, like, I host a light-hearted podcast, so obviously, you know, like, my radar's skewed, but, like... It, know, I don't know, it feels serious. It feels like a lot of my choices have been divisive. Uh, really, the division has been between the stage and the audience. <laughs> I feel like you love party. <laughs> and I know a lot of people loved Marriage Story, but I, I don't like when um, there's someone... Someone who's got a lot of money and access to the film industry uh, then just makes a film about some boring thing that happened in their life. Like, another film that's in that um, vein is... I think it was called Beautiful Boy. And it's just about this guy, this rich guy, and his son's a drug addict, and then he tries to help him get better from being a drug addict. It's the most boring film about drug addiction ever. The guy that was in... What's his name? Steve... Yeah, yeah, Steve Carell's in it. And I think uh, Timothy, little Timothy Chalamet. Oh, little Timothy. It's just, uh, do, you, do you know what I mean? When Yeah, I, do, I don't know, that sounds like a very Steve Carell being a funny person for a long time and having to do the opposite of it to be serious, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like, what's the least funny thing I can do? Like, help my son get through drug problem. Yeah. So no one laughs. It's not funny. Like, well, you know, like do a funny voice. That's better. You know, like you know, like he was in Hotel Trans. No, what was it he did? Hotel Transylvania. Oh, Despicable Me. That's more funny. Mm. Come on, Steve, do the funny voice. But when, because you asked me about films that I hate, and I kept thinking of. I mean, there's a lot of films I hate watch, but then if you... Because I said Richard Curtis films initially because they show a version of London that I've never really come across the whole time <laughs> I've lived here. But then I have watched Notting Hill loads, um, and there's a lot of sort of romance films that I claim to hate, but I watch them a mm. lot. Like, I just watched this great one on Netflix called Me Before You. It's basically like a big advert for Dignitas. It's... <laughs> Who's the girl that's in uh, Game of Thrones? She's really fit. 
Yeah, Amelia Clark's in it, and then this guy, um, he's in a wheelchair and he's uh, paralysed, and Amelia Clark's really, really cheerful, and then the paralysed guy is really posh and uptight, and he's uh, like a horrible bastard. Amelia Clark uh, has to go and work as his carer, and the whole time the guy wants to go and take the test. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this was like a blockbuster film. <laughs> This was a blockbuster film, um, and they fall in love, and then um, in the end, Harvey uh, uh, Game of Thrones accompanies him to Dignitas. <laughs> then he gives it all his money. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's meant to be a nice ending. Is that not whenever they talk about legalizing <laughs> euthanasia? That's always the worry they've got that people's caters are going to yeah. con them out of their money. <laughs> it's so good. I just watched it. <laughs> I just watched it for like the third time because I saw that they'd put it on Netflix. And I put it on for my boyfriend and I said, wait till you see this. And he said, I don't want to watch it. You've told me about it in detail many, many times. Uh, and it also upholds these like insane stereotypes about what working class people and what uh, posh people are like in Britain. Like the posh people are totally rigid and unable to express emotion. And then uh, the working class people in the film, at one point, Amelia Clark is like, oh, granddad, thank you for uh, making this present. We are poor, but we all make presents for each other from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And it's called Me Before You. Me Before like, You. Going to Dignat, Dignitas, you before me. I mean, Because well, love is about putting yourself before others. Uh, until it comes to who's going into Dignitas first. Well, I think it would be a good film for the island because we're going to have to get used to the idea of death pretty quickly. Yeah, but you like that film, so you can't get that. You can only oh, okay. get Manchester by the Sea and... Um, I've had a blank with the other one. The other uh, one marriage that. Story. Marriage Story. So, mm. yeah, in-depth, sad films for you, I'm afraid. Okay. Okay, well, they were well argued, but Fern, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Well, this is one that would actually be near the island. It's a dolphin. Mm. Um, I'm frightened of them. <clears throat> frightened of the lovely, smiley dolphin. Well, no, their smile is like, have you ever met a person that can't stop smiling, but their eyes are dead? Yeah. That's what a dolphin's like. Um, and I had the opportunity, well, so-called opportunity, given they rape humans and kill them for fun, do they not? <laughs> I, I think I've heard about them raping each other, yeah. Oh, well. and they. I don't know, they might rape humans. I don't know, there's a lot of vulnerable um, people go swimming with them, don't they? It's like their final wish. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a chance. Uh, when I was on holiday with my family when I was a teenager and... Uh, they were like, oh, we're all going to go swimming with dolphins. And my dad wouldn't do it because um, he has quite rigid ideas about masculinity <laughs> as a <laughs> Scottish man. So dad wouldn't do it. Uh, I wouldn't do it because I thought dolphins were evil. Uh, one of my brothers is weird. and uh, Well, he said it was exploitative, which is fair. <laughs> so it ended up just being my, my youngest brother and my mum uh, sort of rode the backs of dolphins and the dolphins did tricks and they made a video of the whole thing um, and I remember the, the good thing though was um, 
Whenever I used to have house parties as a teenager, I would put on this video of my mum swimming with dolphins because <laughs> me and my friends loved to laugh at it. And we would just rewind, rewind it over and over again. Um, it's difficult saying against dolphins, but I think they're not that nice. Like, I think they do... There is some real bastardy behaviour with them. And I think it's like whenever you get... Because they're very intelligent, aren't they? That's what we hear. Like, dolphins are so clever. And I mm. think as soon as you get an animal that's a bit clever, it turns into a bit of a cunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg's clever. Yeah. I don't want to be pals with him either. Uh, or ride his back. <laughs> whatever <laughs> people do with dolphins. Do the funny clicking sound, Mark. Mm. Um, maybe that's how they communicate at Facebook. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, okay, and the, the sea is full of these dolphins, we're going to say. And I don't know, can you even eat them? Are they any use? I don't think you can. Maybe there's that one island somewhere that now and again you see a petition. It's like, stop all these islanders killing all the dolphins. I don't know what they do with them, though. I don't think they're useful. No, I don't think people eat them. Um, they just kill them. Yeah, don't they get stuck in nets or something? Probably. They're big. Uh, Not so clever now, Mr. <laughs> Dolphin. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I like anything that's a slightly controversial choice, so I think it's a good choice to round out your island. And I think you've put together a really good selection of, of hateful people and things that I think together are going to make a really uh, awkward melange. I don't, okay. I don't know what the word is. Um, anyway, but I think you've done a superb job. Now, what, one thing that we like to do uh, on Desert Island Dicks is we have a companion podcast called Compact Dicks, which mm -hmm. is where the listeners or audience get to have a say on who and what they think is a dick. And I believe that there have been some cards going around. Here is James, and he's got some listener suggestions. Not mm -hmm. listener, you're an audience, it's real. But you are listening, right? Can you hear me? Okay. We've got some uh, to go through. People who wish happy birthday or anniversary to their partner on social media that they live with. Oh. That's a good call. Oh, and I'd, I'd go one further, the newest thing, wishing happy birthday to yourself on social media. Do people do that? Well, I don't know if it's just because everyone I know is a comedian and a <laughs> massive narcissist. Yeah, people do. People wish happy birthday to themselves and then do a bit of a reflection on the year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've got one that says, Hancock beat to death with coconut. <laughs> I imagine that's Matt Hancock. Yeah, Matt Hancock? That was me, yeah. That's, <laughs> uh, well, that's mad, because I was just thinking about him today. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the new health secretary was on the radio and I thought, what's Matt Hancock up to these days? And also I'd been in Oliver Bonus earlier in the week and I thought about <laughs> poor, poor old Mr. Oliver Bonus. Because <laughs> that was the guy that um, Matt Hancock was pumping his wife, wasn't it? I know his name's not literally all Oliver Bonus, I just call him that. <laughs> anyway, why did, why did you put him down? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, do I have to repeat that? I bet they cook the... <laughs> if, you, if you can't pick that up on the mic, you said it'd be satisfying to beat him to death with a coconut. And I think that does bear repeating. And if you've ever tried to open a coconut, it probably still wouldn't split on his head. No, but I mean, you... you Hancock's just... head would break first. <laughs> yeah, you just have to keep trying, though. You know, God loves a tryer. Um, this is a good one. Cara Delevingne. Car oh, Carla de the, de the yeah. model. She's a, a model. The eyebrow, are you on? Eyebrows, yeah. yeah. Um, 
has a, a great way with women, though. Um, her track record with beautiful women is... Uh, I kind of admire her. She's She went out with an Australian model, Stella Maxwell. She went out with St. Vincent for a long time. And she's going out with another beautiful actress now. It's almost like attractive people pick up attractive people successfully. I know, but there's, I mean, there's not been a lot of... So I didn't of, mean that to sound like a dig at you. I just, I don't know. It's more that there's not been a lot of sort of legendary swordsmen, uh, lesbians Lesbian in Hollywood Shields before. women. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. There just hasn't hasn't been someone like that that's so open about it for yeah. in my lifetime. She gets a pass then, okay. Um... I would hate to be stuck on an island with a wrinkly old nudist. <laughs> and it kind of ties back into Frank Skinner, though, doesn't it? Oh, my God. I did a gig for nudists last year before lockdown, and any time I... <laughs> so any time I tell people about this, they're always like, did, did they not have clothes on? Well, yeah, they didn't have clothes on, otherwise it would just be a gig. <laughs> <laughs> With people who happen to be nudists in their spare time. So it was at a pub in Camden um, that has a normal gig uh, most of the time. And I arrived at the pub downstairs. Everything looked normal, except there was a security guard at the bottom of the stairs. And I said, I'm here for the nudist gig. And I guess a lot of people didn't say that because he just was like, yeah, come up. And then I went up and the whole room was just naked people of all shapes and sizes. And I was sit normally I'll sit at the back of the room on the floor doing notes before I go on stage, which is fine. Apart from when you're sitting, when no one has trousers on, you can just <laughs> see all these like bare, hairy arse cracks. <laughs> in front of you and um, the editor of Nudists Monthly or Nudists Britain he was there with his wife and kept cornering me trying to tell me how great nudism was and once everyone's naked no one is naked I was like I couldn't give a shit I just want to do my set and um, they had uh, gender-neutral toilets, which I, I'm totally for. Like, our toilets are ho uh, home or gender-neutral. Except when I was in the toilets doing my makeup, like a sort of uh, a vision or a ghost in the background, <laughs> I looked in the mirror and there was a 20-stone naked man staring at me, <laughs> crouched in the corner of the toilets. <laughs> And we caught each other's eye, and he kind of looked embarrassed as if to go, yeah, I know this isn't normal either. <laughs> and, um, and a man in the front row got a stiffy. <laughs> he was really fit, and he was, holding, he was holding his willy down during my set. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what comedians really love when we when we have a good gig um if we have a really good gig people all rush towards you at the end of the gig to say they loved your set i really love that not when everyone's naked and rushing at you like a load of bald wolves or something horrible horrible oh my god that's I don't think we're going to get better than that. But uh, it was a good gig because the power dynamic was really firmly established because I had my clothes on yeah. and no one heckled me. <laughs> I guess it's so easy to find faults in your audience if they're heckling you and they're naked. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what, Fern? I think that's such a good place to end. I don't think we're going to get much better than that. I think okay. we should probably wrap it up there. Thank you so much for coming on Desert Island Dicks today. Um, oh, thank you for uh, having me. Obviously, we've all had a wonderful time and we want to see more of you. So where and how can we <laughs> do that? Not in a nudist way, you know, just in general, in a normal comedic 
you know, way. How can we see more of you? Oh, I'm on tour from the 25th of January uh, all over Britain. And I'm doing a big show at Earth in Hackney, which is kind of too hipster a venue for me. <laughs> uh, and that's next June. Nice one. Right. We will see you there. Thank you very much for coming on Desert Island. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Play some music or something so it's not awkward when I walk off stage. So there you go. That was Fern Brady on Desert Island Dicks Live back in December 2021. All the way back there last year. So long ago now. Lost in the mists of time, but saved for posterity in audio form. Just a reminder now that you've heard it that you can get tickets for our next Desert Island Dicks Live with Lou Sanders at 2 North Down by following the link in the description or just googling Desert Island Dicks Live. I'm sure that will work as well. Or just go to the link in our social pages at DicksPod on Twitter and Instagram. Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production. It was dreamt up and thought of and produced by James Deacon, who also edited this episode. It's hosted by me, Dan Benedictus, and it's often edited by Chris Attaway. We get social media support by Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton. And a big shout-out, as always, to our statistician, Grand Mamster Flash, and our historian, our podcast historian, John Deacon. Not the one from Queen. This one's much better. I think that's it for me. We'll be back next week with another wonderful podcast from another wonderful guest. And maybe I'll find a new adjective to describe things other than wonderful. Who knows? Let's see. The only way you can find out is by listening. And the best way to make sure you never miss an episode is, of course, to subscribe. So do that. If you want to leave us a rating and a review, that is also very much appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Bye.